What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. And today we had a very special guest on the show. I had my good friend, Caleb Fong, and we had a really insightful conversation. We talked about life, self-awareness, business, fitness. We kind of ran the full spectrum of wisdom. Caleb had a lot of value to bring to the show, and I've been meaning to get him on for a while, and you guys are going to see why, because I think you're going to love this conversation. Before we get into it, I have a small favor to ask. Actually, it's a big favor. It's a big favor because it's really important, and I did not realize how important this was until very recently. So hopefully, you guys will follow through because if you've gotten anything out of this show, if you've ever received a little bit of value, just a little bit, then hopefully you will do this for me. Apparently, it's really imperative in order for this show to grow, for everybody to actually subscribe or follow, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure you tap the subscribe or follow button so that you get automatically notified when new episodes are released. You may think that you're subscribed, but double check and do me a favor. If you are listening and you are not subscribed and you're not following, please do so. You can just go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen, and you should be able to follow the show. Hopefully everybody can do that favor for me and I would greatly appreciate it. And if you love this conversation from me and Caleb, as I think you will, please let us know about it. We would love to hear some feedback. You can let us know on Instagram, tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner, and you can tag Caleb at Caleb D. Fong. Enjoy the conversation. All right. What's up, everybody? I've got a guest on the show today. It's actually a long overdue conversation. I can't believe that this is your first appearance. I got my good friend Caleb Fong joining me, and I feel like we can go in a million different directions. So I'm super <laughs> excited to have you on the show. What's going on, dude? What's up, man? Yeah, I'm super hyped to finally be on here. I've been uh, been listening, and obviously, like we're we're good friends, and uh, it's been a, it's it's super exciting to actually join the podcast uh, as a guest this time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Let's let's start. I actually am I'm really curious just personally on your kind of come up and how you got into the industry because obviously we got connected through Jason Phillips and then yep. have been working together helping other coaches grow their businesses and I know that you built a successful business yourself. Have been in the fitness industry for a, a while. I also appreciate that you are somebody that I consider like wise beyond your years. Uh, so uh, I, I, I always learn something new from our conversations. I feel like there's a lot of wisdom that you have uh, to share with everybody. And for my for myself, I'm actually curious about the come up story of how you first got started into fitness, but then almost more importantly, when that like entrepreneurial itch started to hit you and how you knew that was the path you wanted to go. Yeah, man, 100%. Uh, I appreciate that a lot. I, I feel the exact same way about you. Um, I, I always, every time conversation we have, I always pick something up that I'm like, damn, that's, I should have learned that like three years ago. So <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, when I first started into fitness itself, um, I guess, I, I mean, I've always been into sports and athletics and like just movement my whole life. 
Um, I played like every sport imaginable, um, you know, tennis and football and rugby and soccer and track and all those things. And then when I got into um, high school, it was about probably like senior of high school. I think it was the first time I started to really notice my like image of myself. And it was probably coincidentally when I also started being uh, tr- trying to attract all these women. So <laughs> being a lot more interested in getting a girlfriend, like talking to more girls, I was like, okay, becoming a little bit more self-conscious about how I look, which I never really thought of before, uh, to be totally honest. And then in my senior year of high school, I just remember seeing all of like the guys that I thought had like more attention from women. I was like, how do they look? And like compared to how I look, I noticed some of them were more muscular and they had, uh, you know, better uh, image. What I really learned was that they had much more confidence in themselves. And I was like, okay, I have confidence. I was like, I'm very confident in who I am, but there still to me felt like something was lacking. Um, and a lot of that honestly had to do with like, uh, my like family heritage and stuff like that. Like how I learned about, you know, how people react and respond, uh, based off of how you look and whatnot, but that was dates way back. Um, but, uh, in general, after that happened, I was like, okay, I think I want to start building on some muscle. I feel like this would help me, um, build up my confidence and self-image of myself too, as well as hopefully start talking to some girls more confidently too. Um, and so I started weightlifting and the way, the reason I've kind of found that was through my brother's friend at the time who he was a power lifter. And so I initially got introduced to the gym, uh, through powerlifting. And, um, he was like this big dude and always really outspoken and confident. And I was like, okay, powerlifting seems to be the way to go. So I took up powerlifting and, and dove into that for, uh, com- competed competitively for four years um, and that's sort of how I got introed into like the gym fitness industry before it, I only knew it as just like working out and like having fun, moving around, playing sports or whatever it was. Um, and that was my first introduction to the gym. So once I started on that path, I really didn't even focus. It was funny. I didn't even focus on building as much muscle as possible. I focused on getting super strong. And through powerlifting, I fell in love with that aspect of just getting stronger and seeing what my body was capable of doing. Um, it got to a point where I was even happy and just with trying to be as, I don't want to say as small as possible, but where I was in my weight category to get as strong as I could there. Until finally, after those four years, I was like, okay, I got pretty damn strong at this, at this weight. I was like 155, 160 wet. Um, and I was like, I think now I want to transition to putting on some size. Um, and that's where I slowly dipped into bodybuilding and sort of grew that aspect. Um, and through that period of time is when I really fell in love with coaching and like the fitness industry itself. Um, through that time after high school, I was going into college and I dropped out two years into college because I just honestly had no idea what the hell I was doing there. Um, I felt like I was attending classes for like absolutely no reason. Um, and so I, my motivation for wanting to learn dropped off and I hated that. It's always something that I love to do was continue to learn. And when my motivation for learning dropped, I was like, there must be a reason for this. Um, so I took a step back and dropped out two years into college. That's when I started going heavy into education towards nutrition and training. So that's when I got under a lot of um, different mentors, different courses, different certifications. Um, and I took my time with it. Each place I applied to and, and learned from, I spent a good year there. 
Um, and I dove into as much as possible before you're taking on any clients. Um, and uh, despite some of the certifications and trainings from gyms that wanted to like push really quickly, I was like, this doesn't feel right. So spent a lot of time through education there. And that's sort of what branched me off to, to where I am now. So that was the long-winded version of how I got started. <laughs> I think it provides a lot of context too. And I, I didn't know that you got started in powerlifting. So yeah, man. Um, that's cool to hear the the origin story. Uh, yeah. You kind of mentioned the confidence that you noticed first and foremost. You're like, okay, what are, what are the traits that I see in other people that maybe uh, are successful or they're, they're talking, they are better communicators with women or whatever the case may be. You started to notice like it's a confidence thing, but you're also like, I have confidence in myself. And yeah. that's something that I always noticed with certain people like yourself, where you are who you are, you're very self-aware and right. that's, that's rare. Like there's, there's certain people that come to mind. Uh, Joe Sheehy is another one who's a good friend of mine. Like he's, he's who he is. And there's a lot of self-awareness there. And I think that you're the same way. Where do you think that comes from? Like, cause a lot of people don't have that ability. And, and it's, I always say that I've said this a million times on the show. Like if I could gift the world with one characteristic, it would be self-awareness. Oh, totally. <laughs> if I could sell that, it would, I would make so oh, much yeah. money. <laughs> uh, where do you think that comes from? Is that something from your upbringing? Is it something that you've developed over time? Like, where do you think that stems from? Yeah, that, that's a, actually an awesome question. So um, I actually, this is really, really interesting. I recently probably rediscovered this not too long ago, literally within the past like three months. Uh, as you know, I went through a lot of like life transitions in the past like six months, uh, relationships, moving situations, a lot of stuff. And so, um, and I've been in, been involved in therapy for quite some time, but my therapist and I were starting to dive into a lot of this uh, about my childhood, right? And I had an awesome childhood, fantastic childhood, no complaints whatsoever, amazing family and, and support system. Um, but there were some components of that that actually drew me into to rediscover sort of this exact thing you're talking about. Because one of the things that uh, my therapist and I talked a lot about was my um, my ability to like understand what I need and my self awareness, like you said, and sort of like self appreciation. Um, it's really interesting how it started because it started the opposite. So I'm half Chinese, half Italian, um, and in my family growing up, I was only around like my Asian side. So my direct family inside of Sacramento, where I was born, um, they're all Asian. My Italian family lives in Canada, so far away. Uh, so I grew up around that culture. And what I learned from that culture was stuff that I, or st stuff that I realized from that culture was actually things I didn't really connect with. And I always felt sort of ashamed of that side of my, my upbringing and my, myself. Um, I would do things, so I'd be like, man, I, I don't like the characteristics of some of you know, of these family members or people that I see, I'm like, I'm going to try and do the exact opposite in my life. And I really did. Um, it's really interesting when we dove into it, but like a lot of it started from the fact that I didn't like who I thought I was like my family, um, my Asian side of the family. I, I didn't relate to being a little bit more um, reserved and like not standing out from the crowd type of thing, being a lot more introverted, which is just normal characteristics of the culture and um, which aren't bad things inherently, but they just weren't things I didn't, I didn't relate to. And so seeing that growing up, um, I started to do the opposite. So I started trying to do as many things to like stand out and as many things to be like bold and learn better communication because I didn't see the best communication from that side. Um, 
just a simple thing is like making more eye contact were things that I like really knew from an early uh, early age as I was a kid, seeing my family interact, especially on that side of things. I was like, man, I I just don't relate to this. So I would always try and like make direct eye contact. I would always try to break out from like the mold of things. Um, and that really grew into understanding the understanding where that side came from and appreciating it more to be able to really like fully accept who I was. Um, when that happened, that's when I started to really be okay with like just being me and understood that some of those characteristics I still am proud of and like have, but I am still myself. So it was really interesting kind of dichotomy there, right? Because it was like, I hated that part. Absolutely hated. I pushed it down like as far as I could. Um, and you know, there were, there were similar traits that I saw in like my brother, for example, who is in a lot of ways, complete opposite than me. He's my older brother of eight years and like love him to death. And he's a little bit more reserved. He's a little bit more introverted. Um, you know, he's a smaller guy and like smaller frame and like, doesn't stand out from things a lot of the times. Um, and I was just, I was always like, man, that felt like the same path as my, my Asian side of my family. And so I started to correlate these two things of like, man, I don't want to be like this, even though I love my family, love my brother. I was like, this just, I don't relate to. So finally, I think really understanding why like the, the culture is the way it is understanding that and understanding that it's a part of me. And I should be proud of some, a lot of these things was I, when I really developed self-awareness around that, because now I had this piece of me that I built and that I was really proud of. I was like, okay, I want to be bigger. Like, I don't see a lot of Asian dudes that are like bigger in, in, in their frame. Uh, it just never was the case for me growing up. So I was like, okay, I want to be a little bit bigger than the average guy that I see. Um, you know, I want, I want to have good communication across the board. I want to be able to like speak my mind clearly and, and communicate with people um, from anywhere, from any walks of life. Um, you know, I want to be able to stand out from a crowd if I, if I want to, right. I want to be able to be heard type of thing. And so that's sort of what I built and then what I was sort of inherently gifted. And when I was able to combine the two and kind of accept that, that's really where we discovered like real self-awareness and real, I guess you could call it self-love or like just acceptance of who I was and my upbringing. So that was really only brought to light to be totally honest in the past like three months um, after some deep work. So it's a, it's a good question that you brought up. <laughs> That's super insightful. I think for me, like immediate, cause I have a similar story and it's not necessarily about my upbringing per se, although there's, there's elements to it, but I also think about like the societal pressure and, oh, and totally the boxes that we're supposed to quote unquote, supposed to fit in. And, you know, we, we both have worked with a lot of women in the fitness space. We've helped transform lives. And, you know, it's interesting when you hear the pressure that's put on certain individuals to look. And I, and I know that, that men have pressure too. I'm not saying that it's just a, um, yeah. you know, that it's exclusive to women, but I do think that in our society in particular, there's has been, especially in, in the last call it 30, 40 years, just, this constant, uh, you know, almost like berating of you have to be this size, you have to be this size, you have to be this size. And if you're not, you don't fit in, you're not acceptable, you're not worthy, you're not lovable, whatever that internal dialogue becomes. But I think a lot of it is that external pressure from it could be family, it could be society, it could be whatever. But I, I think that you you start to then take that external voice and internalize it where it's not even your own. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I always try to remind people of like, is this your goal or is this somebody yeah. else's goal? Yeah. And is this really something that is it really just to try to be as small as you can possibly be and take up less space? Or 
Do you want to be somebody who stands out and wants more confidence and wants to be strong as hell and wants to have muscle and, you know, and go against that? Because it probably took me, you know, 30 years of my life, maybe a little bit longer before I woke up to that fact of, I don't have to check the fucking boxes. I don't have to fit in <laughs> to what society tells me is the next step in life. And that it was, it was truly like an awakening of like, you know what, why am I doing this? Who am I doing this for? This is not the path that I want to be on. And and sometimes you just go through the motions because you just, the next step, right? You, you, you go to college, you get the job, you, you know, you get married, you buy the house, you have all these things. And it's like, who's, who's boxing my checking? This is just yeah, telling me this. <laughs> I think you brought, you brought a really good point. Yeah. It's not even your own voice anymore at that point. Right. It's just like, you're just regurgitating what you've been told and like programmed to do for so long, which I mean, truthfully, everyone has that programming. You have to unlearn it at some point. Like, unless you're unlearned it from an early age, you just are bred into that. Like you just learn that upon growing up without even trying to Right? it. It is crazy, but you're right. At some point it doesn't even become your own voice anymore, which is insane. So if you, if you had somebody that, you know, somebody that, is resonating with this. And they're like, well, where do I begin? How do I, how do I start to unpack this? Because maybe I do feel like I'm living a life that's not necessarily my own, or I just want more self-awareness. Like I know I, I used to believe that I was self-aware yeah. and recognize that I still have a lot of blind spots and I still have a lot of biases. And, and I think the the biggest danger to all of us is when we think that we know ourselves so well that we don't have blind spots and we're not biased. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. most susceptible. And that's, you know, kind of caught me off guard in my life. And and I've similar to you, I'm like, okay, let's, let's get back to doing some of this internal work. I'm, I'm in therapy. I'm, you know, do it. I'm in a personal development course. I'm doing a lot of journaling. I'm doing everything that I need to do to I, you know, basically accept that I do have blind spots and I still yeah. have work that needs to be done. And I'm always going to be a work in progress. Uh, but for that person, that's like, you know what, I, I don't even know where to, where to begin. How do I start to unpack that? What do you tell that person? Yeah, man. I, uh, I think one of the first things is to, it's not necessarily an action. It's a, it's avoidance. <laughs> I would say to avoid people who are avoid advice from people that are not where you want to be or where you think you want to be or, or emulate that type of person. I remember listening to people's advice. I, I thought my first step was to just talk to a lot of people and sure it can sometimes help to talk those things out. But what, what I would learn is like a lot of the people that I talked to had the exact same mindset, the exact same life and things where I thought like, man, I don't know if I want to be there. So why am I listening to this sort of advice? Um, so I think it's, it's good to declutter the space in your mind before you start to actually focus on something. Uh, I feel like if you start to focus on whatever it be, whatever it's self-development or your, you know, your inner work and going through these things, it's really hard when you have a hundred voices piling in on like what you should do. Um, so that might be in the form of like limiting your content that you look at, limiting the types of people you follow or the types of advice you have and the types of conversation that you have. If this is really important to you, which I think it should be, then you will make that a priority, right? To kind of declutter the space first before you start to dive in. Um, for me, therapy has been wonders. I, I have an amazing therapist. Um, he was work. He was with me through like couples therapy and also regular therapy. Um, just an awesome dude. And I think having some sort of a uh, source of higher knowledge in that is really beneficial because we can only see what we can see, right? And we only know what we know at that point, um, especially when it comes to like inner work. Like you said, I thought I knew myself super well going into therapy. And then, and I didn't think anything in my childhood affected me now. Like I, <laughs> I really didn't believe that. <laughs> I was like, I had an awesome childhood and all these things. 
you know, and you know, I was like, I don't think any of that affected me. Well, holy shit, did it like so much just came to surface that I was like, wow, it, it wasn't necessarily negative things. It was a lot of stuff that gave me clarity as to why I am the way I am now and how I think about things. Um, so first step to me would be to declutter your space. Second step would be would, personally would be to have someone else to reflect to that has the capability to handle that, um, i.e. probably a therapist or something along those lines. If you don't want to go about that route, because I know a lot of the times therapy can be intimidating as a first step, right? I know for a lot of my friends, a lot of uh, people that I've suggested, like, hey, this is just what I've done and it helped out. This might be a good step for you. A lot of the times therapy can be intimidating, which totally understand. Um, if so, then, I mean, any reflection of what you're currently feeling is amazing. And then one of the best tools I've learned from therapy is self-reflection and, and then understanding why these, these things came to be. So if you're in this position, you're listening to this and it's resonating with you and you're like, damn, I don't know if this is the life I want to be living. Um, I don't know if these are the daily things that I want to be doing. When you have those thoughts, I mean, something so powerful as literally accepting those thoughts instead of like pushing them away and going, okay, why am I feeling this way? Like what happened to make me feel this way? And then reflecting on how that sort of came to be and what you want to do following that, just clarity on like, this is happening to me now. This is the feeling I'm having, not running from it in the moment. And then analyzing that just for a second, some self-reflection can be massive opportunity for people to grow. Um, that would be my first initial like suggestions if someone's in that space, because that's what I tried to do and would have done immediately if I would have known this earlier on. Completely agree. I wish that I got into therapy a lot sooner than I did. Same. And and I, I wish that we would destigmatize therapy in general, because a lot of times you hear that and somebody's like, oh, well, something must be something's wrong. wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, something's wrong with all of us. So <laughs> yeah. we, all have our we all have our shit that we're dealing with. But, you know, it is it's doesn't necessarily have to be in response to trauma or something terrible happening or a crisis. It can just be to better yourself and to know yourself. Uh, one of the most valuable things that I've taken away, it's funny that you're wearing a, a hoodie that says seek discomfort. It's one <laughs> yeah. of the most valuable things that that my therapist helped me do is almost identical to what you were just saying, which is that uncomfortable feeling. Keep going. Yeah. Push in. <laughs> it's keep going. Like I would always, I'd be talking to her and I would say something and then I would get to this place in my thought process of this feels really scary. So I'm just going to shut it down. Like yep. what if, you know, um, my relationship ends and I'm like, that feels really scary. And she's like, okay, well keep going. <laughs> yeah. Keep, keep going. She's like, keep going with that line of thinking. What happens if it ends? Then what keep going? And we we're so quick to like the, the minute that we hit that wall of discomfort, we're like, oh shit, that thought freaks me the fuck out. So I'm just going to shut it down. But what happens past that wall Oftentimes you recognize like, okay, I would, I would have to grieve. Like I would have to grieve the end of my relationship. I would have to, you know, I would be alone for a little bit. I would be spend time and, and like get your brain and your body to walk through past that wall of discomfort. And then ultimately you're like, okay, now I, I can like come to grips and have some acceptance of the worst case scenario and it's okay. And yeah. like, not that you're saying I want this to happen. Nobody like wants right. horrible situations or nobody wants to go through traumatic experiences. But if you can push past that initial wall of discomfort, you get to a place because if you never face it, you always run away from that wall. Then it's always going to be that big, scary thing that looms over you. 
Um, and it's it builds and builds. <laughs> it just keeps growing. Yeah. It's interesting. How much, how much of like your work with people when you were coaching clients in fitness and nutrition was this, what we're talking about now, like not about the food, not about how they're training, but like, this was the sticking point to get people to where they wanted to be. It was like 95% of our conversations were all, <laughs> all around that. I mean, you know, when I, it's funny when now we, we work with like, um, you know, coaches to help build their businesses. And like some of the questions I always ask them is like the conversations you have with your clients, I guarantee feel more like therapy sessions when you're talking to them. And then like somehow you become the therapist and I ask them, and it's funny, this becomes a conversation of like, yeah, it's really frustrating. Like I hate having these conversations. I'm like, but why do you think that happens? Like, why do you think majority of your conversations happen to be like this? Do you think it's just coincidence or do you feel like there's something, something to this that you should actually be teaching them early on to solve these problems? Right. And I, I mean, most of my conversations, when we first started with a client was talking about, I mean, it's funny we talk about this, but it's talking about how they were raised with food, like how their mindset is now with food and with working out, like, where do they learn these things from and how can we do we need to unprogram some of these things? Do we need to change the habits? Like what habits do you want to change that you don't like? Um, I, I mean, most of our conversations are around this because without that thought process, no action can come, right? Nothing can be done with that if your mind isn't there. So majority of the conversations were all focused around this stuff. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because what you're accomplishing is behavior change at the end of 100%. the day. It's not body change. It's not physical change. Like those are all side effects of behavior change. Yep. It's not as simple as here, eat these foods and then your behavior magically changes. Yeah, right? yeah. Like some people cope with stress through food or through drinking or through whatever outlet they have. And like, that's the behavior. We're not talking about this meal plan. We're not talking about tracking your macros. Like it's at the end of the day, it's the behavior itself that has to change, which is why these conversations are where the magic happens. Yeah. Um, I find it interesting how our clients, when, when we're coaching clients who, who are coaches, who are coaching, like when we're, so just for, for context for everybody, Caleb and I coach in a program called the boardroom. Uh, basically there are nutrition coaches, you know, trainers, fitness coaches who are coaching clients. They have their own business, various sizes and are trying to grow and help impact more lives. And we direct them on how to do that. And what I think is interesting is our clients will come to us with the same thing that their clients are coming to them. And yeah. it's, one's talking about food. They're talking about business. At the end of the day, it's all rooted in the same shit. It is all 100%. the behavior at the core of all of it. Uh, and sometimes I'm like, how would you, you know, how many times do you turn to a client? You're like, well, what would you say to your client? <laughs> I ask this question all the time. <laughs> I, then they say the answer. It's like, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Um, what do you talk? What do you, uh, cause now you've, you've helped a lot of people get into the industry, build their businesses, build an effective coaching program. What would you say is now as the landscape seems to be shifting? Like if you had your, your hierarchy of like, this is, this is just like the checklist to go through before you jump into this place. Um, what does that look like for you? What are the most important things for a new coach? Who's like, I, I kind of want to like, I've been impacted personally. I want to pay it forward. I want to help people. I want to change lives. You know, the, the big ambitious goal, where, yeah. where do you tell them to start? Yeah, man. Good question. Um, I think an answer to start first by starting where I would have started and how I kind of 
prolonged my journey and how I could have expedited it. Um, so I started on the path of like, uh, so I had my business for six years in total. It took me the last three years when I really made progress. The first three years were really just trying to find the quickest tactics to make money, to be totally honest. Um, you know, I, I was a good coach at that point, but I, at that point, it was when I really wanted to build something that was of financial value to myself um, and for my future families. And so like, I really dove into the financial component of stuff and I really did focus on quick cash and those types of things. And while it was successful in some degree, and I was able to still help a lot of people uh, realize that I was not building a business, right? That was just a nice hobby that coincidentally made me money. Um, if I was to start over, and this is the advice I have given people, I just had a conversation in the Instagram DMs, like literally a week ago with a kid that's been following me for a long time. Um, and I've seen his his journey on Instagram, um, no real education around nutrition. It's basically just a he's made a cool transition, tra transformation himself. And he was like, how do I start an online fitness business? And I was like, are you worthy of having an online fitness business? <laughs> are you worthy of helping somebody? Like, do you have that? Do you have that ability? Do you have that knowledge? Like, are you a good coach yet? Do you have a product that actually can serve somebody? I think the first question people ask themselves usually when they want to get into this is like, how do I get clients? Like he just, just asked me the other day, how do I get clients and leads as an online coach? I was like, how do you get results as a coach, you know, as an online coach? And he, he couldn't really give me an answer. So like the first place I would start is, are you worthy enough to have an audience? First of all, are you worthy enough for people to follow you and listen to you? Um, and are you actually giving advice and can you create real transformation and real results for people that doesn't just last a few weeks? So I think if you're getting into this industry, that has to be key number one. If your product and your service isn't good and you can't create good results for people, nothing else is really going to work. Um, and so that's where I would say people need to start first and people usually start on the opposite end first and then try and become a better coach later on, in my opinion, at least that's what I see. What do you think is the best process uh, for becoming that resource, for becoming somebody who can create lifelong transformation because I, I did exactly what you said, which is yeah. I jumped in. I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. I didn't know if I could create results. I had success right away. Yep. Somebody who was a hyper responder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which, which happened to be Mel. She was actually my first. <laughs> That's awesome. And it was just like, here, eat more carbs. And she got leaner. I was like, here, eat more carbs. And she got leaner. And I was like, this is so easy. So I'm fucking magician over here. <laughs> so like, I was like, I'm just going to give everybody the same blueprint. And yeah. now I, I do have an obsessive personality. So that the part that I was never okay with was not being able to answer questions. So yeah, yeah. my drive for learning more wasn't that I thought I needed more knowledge. It was like, I just don't ever want to be in a situation where I say, I don't know. I was <laughs> like, if you ask me a question, I want to be able to give you the answer. So that's why I kept taking every certification and course yeah. under the sun. But my path was like, again, talking about bias. Like I, I just yeah. thought that my way worked. I thought it was all about macros. I thought it was all about, you know, the same, you know, energy in energy out calories in yeah. calories out. Like I just thought it was simple and basic, like formulas, which I learned very good, quickly. good self-awareness. <laughs> Ultimately I had to recognize, um, through a long journey that that wasn't ever going to be, you know, sufficient. So, um, how do you, how do you help somebody become a better coach? Like where, where should they go to develop the skill set to know what really matters when it comes to transformation? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. I think uh, having a coach yourself is fantastic. So I think having somebody to learn from uh, and how that process goes, obviously finding like a good qualified coach, um, getting one yourself, I think is always going to be of extreme value because of just personal anecdotal information and like um, application, I think is going to be huge and seeing how the process works. Now that obviously is not going to teach you everything you know, but it's going to give you some good experience into what a good coach does for somebody, how they interact and how they actually make changes to your plan um, and give you information. Uh, after that, my what I learned the best from was personal mentorship underneath people. So I went to people in the industry in my in my town who I knew were actually knowledgeable. They taught classes. They were professors. Like I figured out what courses they offered and I took them. Like I tried to get as many as I could. Um, when I first went to my first gym that I worked at, which is really like big corporate gym chain in, in, uh, in California, um, they offered a certification for free and it was literally a weekend certification. And I was like, all right, I know this isn't going to teach me like jack shit. I was like, probably just going to pass a test and they're going to say I'm a trainer, which it was. But what I took from that was I learned who actually built that course. <laughs> I looked for their stuff and I realized they actually had a massive social media presence and like offered real courses and they were big in the industry outside of just this little niche that they helped put a course together for. Um, and, you know, obviously a weekend certification isn't going to do much for you, but learning from the source and what they offer can be. So I think finding like the root source of knowledge and where these people learn from um, and, and trying to take those courses and like actually apply it is going to be an amazing experience for you. And then obviously having some sort of, um, if you can, some sort of backing behind you of like qualifications to check your, your, your clients. So like, for example, inside of NCI, obviously like there's like the, uh, there, there's a, like level one where you are, you have to take guinea pigs and on and, and train clients and be monitored around that and make sure you're doing things the right way. Like, I wish I had that. Um, mine was just sort of, I just take on free clients. And I hope for the best at, the, <laughs> at that point, um, which is what I did for a long time, which would probably be the next thing I would do. Once I acquire some base of knowledge that I feel like, okay, I'm not just talking about calories in versus calories out. I'm not just talking about how to increase or lower cardio or train harder in your, in your routine or whatever it is, add protein incrementally forever. Like when you understand a little bit more than that, that's when it becomes, I think, reasonable to take on some free clients to be able to practice and be upfront and honest with them. The first clients I took on, I will always remember them. When I first started off on my own outside of the gym, Don and Donna, I'll always remember this. They're my first two clients. They're amazing. I had them for like a year and a half. Um, and when I first got them, I was training at a park. I would literally drive my little sedan with all of my equipment to a park halfway across town three times a week. And I would train them at a park before we got kicked out. Um, and uh, I went there and I first told them like, I, I think I know what I'm doing, <laughs> but you are my first clients. And like, I'm going to be testing and like, I, I'm going to do my best with you. I'm just letting you know, you are my first clients. And just, if I make mistakes along the way, like I'm learning as well. And I was fully transparent with them and the next like five clients I took on that were in person. And then once I had experience in person a lot, I mean, I was in, in, in person for a year and a half or two years before I went online to where I felt comfortable actually taking on a high paying client. Um, that would be sort of my trajectory on what it looks like to be a, a somewhat knowledgeable and ready to coach coach at that point.
I want to take a brief pause from this epic conversation with Caleb to tell you guys about Cured and why it is so amazing. Now, you've heard us talk about self-reflection and doing the internal work and getting to know yourself and having some time for deep introspection. One of the biggest disruptors of that is being too stressed, it's being too anxious, and it's not taking the time to actually calm your brain down. Insert Cured, because this is what they do. They help you to know yourself better by creating products and delivering products that will calm your mind, that will ease your anxiety, that will get you into a more restful and introspective state so that you can increase your self-awareness and your mood and have a better sense of well-being. I can tell you that without them, I would be this ball of anxiety, which is very unusual for me, but I am using Cure to help with that. Their broad spectrum CBD is perfect for easing anxiety. Their Serenity Gummies are my favorite supplement, period. Most importantly, they help to get a quality night's sleep. And especially when you have nights like last night when my dog Leia kept me up all night, sleep becomes even more important. And without having the Serenity Gummies, I would be completely lost. So what I want you to do is head to curednutrition.com. Pick yourself up some broad spectrum CBD if you struggle with anxiety. Pick up some Serenity Gummies if you need help with sleep or you just want to feel absolute bliss. Pick up their Zen Caps or Night Caps to further aid with quality sleep. And use code POPFAM at checkout so you can get yourself 20% off. That's P-O-P-F-A-M. Go to Cured, C-U-R-E-D, nutrition.com. Enter code POPFAM at checkout. You will not be disappointed and pick up the Serenity Gummies, number one, hands down, the Broad Spectrum CBD, but take a look at all of their products and choose what's right for you. Now, let's get back to the conversation with Caleb. Yeah, I can. I completely agree. I, I started coaching people for free and then I think I started charging $75 a month. Yeah, yeah like, let's go. That was so <laughs> I was like, who's going to pay this? Which <laughs> <Yeah>. is <laughs> uh, funny because I actually just was looking at something where there was a study that was done and they compared the exact same uh, weight loss pro- program. Uh, so like two different groups, exact same protocol one group paid 500 for the protocol. The other group paid 5,000 for the protocol. And which group do you think got better results? The one yeah, that paid 5,000. There, no, there was no difference in the delivery. It was the exact same thing, uh, but the higher investment produced higher results. And I started to notice that pretty early on. I thought at first it was just coincidence. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. We raised our rates and our clients are getting more success. It <laughs> happened again. And it happened again. And I was like, okay, this is no longer a coincidence. Every single time without fail, every single time we have raised our rates, we have seen an increase in our success rate and uh, getting the confidence for a new coach to be able to charge what they're worth. How do you get to that place? I feel like that's the, the biggest sticking point for a lot of new coaches. All right. I got the certifications. I got the knowledge. I worked with some free clients. I'm good to go, but I'm afraid to charge what I'm worth. How do you help them get over that that roadblock? Yeah, man. I, I think that's a great example. I, I charged, I remember my first sale of 900 bucks for six months. And I was like on top of the world, right? Like this client's paying me so much money. They paid all up front. And I was like, great, I can do whatever I want. I'm a king at this point. I was like, 900 bucks, I'm in. That was my first sale. 
that client was not amazing. And you're right. Like early on those clients, uh, you know, definitely are paying less. They have less invested for sure. Um, what helped me was the snowball, right? I started with 900 for like six months. I went to 900 for three months. Then I bumped up to like 1500 for three months. Then moving on to like six month programs, charging more 2000 incrementally up. And what I got confident was with to be able to do that was understanding what, what I wanted my life to look like in the next year compared to how many clients I was going to be having. I looked at my fitness manager at the time at one of the gyms I was working for, who also had clients online and in person while I was building this, I saw how much he worked and how old he was. Um, and compared to where I was and where I wanted to be, and I was like, okay, he's charging this amount, which is a low amount. And he has, I mean, he had like 80 plus clients at that time. Um, and I was like, he's only making X amount of dollars, but I want to be making like double that <laughs> and not working at, at that much time. Um, I'm like, so how can I do that? So I really was like, okay, am I willing to sacrifice this much time for decades to be where he's at? Or do I want to get there quicker? So I realized obviously having slightly less clients, more invested clients that were higher quality that I could get amazing results for and charge a little bit more for would produce that for me, uh, which is what I ended up doing. But it took the snowball. So I think if you have the patience to snowball your prices along with your program. So every time your prices go up, if you don't feel confident, I always suggest just adding something to your program of value so that you feel a little bit better. You could probably offer the exact same thing and it would sell just the same. But if you want that extra boost of confidence for yourself, add something of value to your program, an extra call, office hours, an extra guide, a startup piece, whatever it is to your program to feel more confident and snowball your prices to where you feel like you deserve to be. Even if that doesn't happen overnight, that's, that's great. Probably shouldn't. Take your time to get there, but snowballing along the way and build that momentum. Big fan of that. Yeah. And I think it's a great point. What what about from the client perspective, somebody who's looking to invest in a coaching program? Uh, because this was something I dealt with early on. I I was a coach for another company and I think they charged like 50 bucks a month. Yeah. And nobody got results. But then when I was off, when I started my own business, I had a lot of people that knew me from that company. And they would come over and they'd be like, hey, I saw that you left and you're doing your own thing and I'm interested in working with you. And at the time, I think my prices were, I mean, still really low. I think at the time it was like 200 a month. Now we're closer to like 500 a month. Yeah. Um, but it was like, well, I just could go to this other company for $50 a month. Like, why should I pay, you know, four times the amount to work with you? It's like fair. However, I worked there and I saw the results behind the scenes. So about a half a percent of people are actually seeing progress, maybe 1% if we're being generous versus at that point, I was probably, if I'm being honest, probably creating about 80% success. Now we're more closer to a hundred percent. But again, as the investment went up, the success rate went up. So it's like, you can go pay $50 a month. You can play the 1% game and hope you're the one out of a hundred that sees success if you're more like the 99%, you're going to end up spending that money, wasting that time and being back at square one. And then you're going to have to pay more money because are you going to stop? Like, if you don't solve this problem, are you going to stop? They're like, of course not. Like if you end up not losing weight, not being confident, not feeling more comfortable in your own skin, are you just going to give up? No. Okay. So you're going to spend the money anyway. So you could either waste the time, waste the money, and then spend more money in the future or we could just do this right now and, and shortcut all of that. And like, all right, that makes sense. 
Yeah. Uh, so how do you help somebody who's like, you know what, this is a big problem, but like, how do I know if I should do the $100 a month program versus the $600 a month program? Yeah, I, I think you answered the question by about time, right? Like money was such a big thing for sure. Like you go spend this money, but the reality of the situation is what you're spending is time. And the conversation I had with a lot of people on the phone when when they were in this debate as well and helping them overcome that fear of that investment was looking at how much time they spent comparatively to how much money they spent. And, and without a doubt across the board, I mean, I worked with clients who have been chronically dieting for like five to 10 plus years. That was my that was everyone who came to me. So I could, without even question, ask them, so you've been in this for what, five, 10 years? Like how long you've been after this? A lot of times a decade plus, how much money have you spent during that time? Accumulatively, probably more than what our program costs and what this offers. But here's the thing that I want you know to for you to think about if you are listening to this and you're in that position, which I know a lot of people unfortunately are, and it really sucks. You've been trying the route that is promising the the quickest results, right? With no real backing or reasoning behind it other than it's cheap and like, here you go, anyone's accessible. Well, the problem with this is we don't take into account the idea of how much time is going to be affected based off the damage that's going to be done from those programs too. Like so much damage is done from these programs that prolongs your results. Half the reason people are dieting for five to 10 years is because of the diets they try which furthers along their problems and furthers the recovery process on that, that coaches like us have to manage. So it's either, do you, would you rather spend, you know, six to 12 months in something that's going to address the root of all of these problems that all of these courses and, and programs have been missing for the past five to 10 years, which yes, requires a lot more time and knowledge on our end, which is the whole reason we charge what we charge. Um, it's going to require a lot more attention, a lot more handholding, a lot more accountability. Do you rather spend six to 12 months and finish all of those things and, and solve those problems? Or are you willing to spend another decade plus maybe searching for that when the answer is like right in front of you? So I think to me, it's a matter of time. Do you want to save time and another 10 plus years of time? Do you want to save that? Or are you willing to sacrifice that again by going to another low cost program or whatever the course is? If you're willing to do that, I mean, go for it. Do you? But I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, managing my time very effectively and like thinking it's worth a lot more. Um, so I'd rather save the time and, and go into a program like this than, than not. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's just, you get to a certain point in your life where you recognize the value of time. Totally. I was listening to a podcast earlier while I was at the gym and it's a uh, diary of a CEO and he had uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, I believe was the oh, guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, every single day that you're alive is one day closer to death, which also means one less day available for you to go and pursue your goals. And I was like, fuck. fuck. <laughs> I got to get, get off my ass right yeah, now. <laughs> I haven't said any better. Uh, I think sometimes because time is not as tangible as money, you yeah. can't really grasp onto it. You can't hold You can't pull up, you know, an app and see how much time you have left where you can look at your bank statement, you can look in your bank account right now and you can see what funds are available. And a lot of people don't want to do the difficult thing, which is where else am I spending money right now that I could be investing in myself that's actually going to have a return. Nice. But it's it's a lot more difficult to have like I I mentioned the other day on the podcast where I had somebody who reached out to me and she was like, I don't know if you remember me, remember me, but we spoke a year and a half ago. 
and I chose not to join your coaching program. And since that time, it's been nothing but struggle and frustration and I've gained more weight and I'm, I'm in a worse spot than I've ever been. And I'm really regretting that decision not to just sign up with you when, when we spoke, but I'm ready to move forward. And I'm like, Hey, look, it's better late than never. Like at least you recognized it and are in a better headspace and, you know, things happen for a reason. Let's, let's, let's start, you know, the conversation up again and and see if you're ready to go and nothing ghost crickets. Like, so I think about people who are aware that they just wasted 18 months of their life and then are going to sit there and allow themselves to waste even more time. It's just not as tangible to grasp. And I think that that's the, the struggle is we know it, but then we can't really feel it and touch it. So it's like, eh, it's, it's like this out there concept that I can't really feel. Um, do you have a way of like getting people to feel that effect or is it more so they just have to come to that conclusion on their own and there's only so much you can do. And if people decide, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, if that's going to be your choice and you're going to waste, you know, years of your life, then it is what it is. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny you talk about that because I feel like, I feel like a lot of people are going to come to their own realization of things at their own pace, no matter what you say. Um, and obviously that's come, come from program conditional thinking from their whole life. And a lot of that stuff, my, my idea behind that is like, when I, when I have talked to people about that in the past who are know it's right there, know what's wrong, know the solution, but aren't taking advantage of it. To me, a lot of the time it's because of, of their, um, acceptance of like, past failures and expectations of future failures, right? Uh, I love the phrase that we're, we're not afraid of failing. We're more afraid of what succeeding looks like because it'll have to kill off a lot of what we're used to, right? Uh, because we're, we're so conditioned to failure. We expect failure because we fail at constantly everything, which is not a bad thing. We fail a lot of stuff to be able to learn what, what works um, and what, what is successful. And so someone coming into a program like this, where they know it's the solution, they know they should do it. Uh, they've wasted years already, but still aren't pulling the trigger. I think it's obviously just a, a fear of like, well, I failed at everything else. What difference is this going to be? I'm the variable, right? And so I think having the conversation of like, what if you're not the variable, right? What if you happen to be the only true thing that's that's functioning the whole time and everything else you've been trying are the failed variables, right? It's, it's not you that's the problem. It's not you that's not going to apply. It's probably you recognize that all of these bullshit things that you've tried over the past decades were never suited for you in the first place. And they're making promises they couldn't keep. What if we gave you the realistic expectation of what's possible, right? And the variable actually changes. Um, because I think, again, most people think of themselves as I have failed all of these things. Well, maybe all of those things have failed you, right? And now you need something that's actually working for you and with you to succeed the way that you need. And I think that's the conversation that most people need to have that they end up don't, right? But then those people end up coming back later, like you said, and hopefully she comes back again. <laughs> who's in that position who's like, you know what? You're right. I get it. It makes sense. I'm ready to take that leap. I don't want to waste more time. I recognize that those programs failed me, that I wasn't the failure. I'm ready to do this the right way. How do you steer them in the direction of finding that program that is the right fit for them? Because there are a lot of coaches. There are a lot of quality coaches out there. Like there's, there's play. We coach a lot of people who can create great results. And how do you help them 
uh, I guess, decipher the real ones from the fake ones. Yeah, amazing. So I, I think a really great, great opportunity is looking into the community. Um, you know, I think a good coach who creates really good results usually has a good community behind them of the people that are that there that are their clients or were before um, and being involved in that community. I mean, if you can see the community and, and understand the vibe and the message and you resonate with it all, there's a good chance that not every single one of those people are lying <laughs> about what the product does and about what the service includes. So I think if you can get yourself involved with the community, whether that be following more of their content, you know, diving into whatever groups they have in communities and, and learning more from them, then that gives you a really reasonable way to say, okay, I trust this community. Community, I trust this person and I also trust the product now. Uh, before that, you're just like, you're looking at, like you said, a sea of coaches. Uh, choose one that you vibe with and the message resonates with you about how they speak, how they communicate with their clients. If you happen to feel a little called out by their content, chances are you're probably headed in the right direction because they're addressing a lot of issues that you might have that you're avoiding. Um, so just try and lean into that. All of the coaches I've ever hired, I was initially like angry at <laughs> because of their content being like, I feel very triggered and like attacked right now behind this. But coincidentally, these are also things I want to change in my life. Um, and so that's usually where I found like my best service was from those those people. So that's what I would suggest doing first. Look inwards in their community and find the message you you vibe with. Yeah, I think that's that's really on point. And it's funny, one of the first coaches that I hired uh, Brian Cron, he, uh, he was speaking at an event and it was like a bunch of heavy hitters, big, I'm not going to name names cause I don't want to put them down, but let's just say that he wasn't the headline. Um, there was like a whole bunch of big names that I was excited to see. And then there was this dude that I had never heard of and he goes up to give his presentation and he's talking about like some stuff that he was doing, uh, where he was like going somewhere in Africa to help feed kids who, who were like, didn't have food. And I was like, this is somebody that I want to like hang out with and get to yeah. know. Like it was, it was just more of a personal. Connection. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this dude is like doing some cool shit in the world. And yep. when I think about like somebody that I'm going to be in a relationship with, cause coaching is a relationship. Like if I'm going to hire this person and I didn't know at the time that I was going to end up hiring him, but I just remember feeling like moved by his whole presentation. He's like, look, you know, we help people look better naked for a living. Like we should probably give back and do some good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I like that. I was like, this is just seems like a good person. And I started following more of his content and I got the same vibe. Like some of his messages just resonated. I felt called out by a lot of his stuff. And I was like, all right, I'm going to reach out and see if uh, he's taking on clients. And it was, it was a good fit. And he, he definitely helped me. Uh, you mentioned early on, like if you're trying to become a coach to hire a coach, yeah. I think personally, I've learned more from the coaches that I've worked totally. with as a client than I did from any educational platform. Yeah. Um, so especially if you utilize those coaches the right way, right? Like ask the questions, yeah. the, the coaches that I've hired, I've specifically told them, I want to learn from you. Like feel don't, you don't need to hold back on like explaining things. Like I want the information, right? That that's the stuff that I I'm going to get a lot more value from as a coach myself. Um, I similar, the, the same first mentor, first business coach I ever had, it was just a local guy in my city who had, um, he had some gyms, but he had this online thing going and this was, well, this was back when this is in 2014 or 15, when I was just starting to dabble in it and, and understand what it was even about. And he was just doing all the like email marketing at the time and like some click funnels things and then landing pages, blah, 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 blah. But the first thing he said to me, because he was talking in one of his sessions, he was my sister's trainer at the time. So I came and like watch the sessions um, just for fun. He was like, good dude. 
and a good gym. And uh, I heard him talking about this, this group of people we had that he worked were, worked with for online coaching. I was like, what the hell is online coaching about? I was like, what does that even mean? And um, you sell programs or what? And so he was talking to me and he really triggered me by <laughs> saying like, ah, first off, I think you're too young and you don't have a strong enough mindset for it. And I was like, hold on. It's <laughs> <was> like, <laughs> the fuck does that mean? I was like, first off, I was like, I'm not young and too young. I was like, I can do whatever, whatever I want. I was like, and I, I was like, I do have a strong mindset. What do you mean? And he's like, I don't know. Like a lot of these guys, what they're, you know, the, st- the businesses they have, blah, 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 you need a strong mind for a lot of the stuff. It's not as easy as it sounds. And I was like, tell me more. And, um, you know, a lot of his coaching, all of his business mentorship was literally around mindset. Like it wasn't even a thing he was saying to, you know, bring scarcity or anything. It was really telling me the harsh reality of like being an entrepreneur and a coach. And I learned so much from that because I did feel called out like, shit, maybe I don't have enough, <laughs> have the right mindset for this yet, but I want to learn how. Um, so that really did open up the door f- for that. But yeah, that was a, a fun side story from my first yeah. uh, first mentorship. <laughs> I think it also is a testament to like being able to receive that on your end. Like, yeah. I, I, I look at every single program, every single program, every single coach, every single mentor I've ever hired in my life. And I can say that I've gotten something out of every single one of them for one simple reason. And that's because I fucking decided to. Yeah. It's that simple. You know, we talk about it all the time with like our, our clients in the boardroom. Like if you're suffering in silence, you're not helping yourself. Yep. Oh, you gotta, you gotta reach out. You gotta ask questions. It's the same thing when you're coaching a nutrition client, it shouldn't just be crickets in in the communication. Like that is how you extract value from a program. I know sometimes you you're going to have this like internal dialogue. It's like, well, I don't want to bother them and it's not worth asking this question and I'll just, but whatever. But like, you have to push past that. Like we talked about, <laughs> you know, that, that uncomfortable wall where that feeling comes up, you have to push past it and, and just advocate for yourself. And it yes. really is a choice. So like if you're not getting anything out of a program, it's, it's a choice. You have to just hundred percent to extract as much value as you can. Yep. I, I completely agree. The mentorships I was I was in before, uh, for those that don't know, I was a client of the boardroom, um, you know, years ago. And like before that was the case, my last mentorship, there was definitely months where I felt, man, I'm not getting anything from this. Like, I'm, there's no pur- purpose in me in like being here or attending calls or like completing things. But then I was like, man, I, I'm really not doing anything. Like the days that I looked at my my schedule, I'm like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not attending these calls. I'm not using the service practically at all that was my choice like i'm clearly not going to get anything from it um and again like you said the same thing with the nutrition clients when they're like this program doesn't work for me it's like well you've submitted one check-in right like you've <laughs> completed two workouts out of like 50 you know like of course something's not going to work for you if you don't work for you um so i, I think that's a good point to make that like you, and again bring coming back to self-awareness you need to be very self-aware that are you taking advantage of what you just signed up for are you actually using this? I mean, I, I work with a coach now, a fitness coach. Um, he's a good friend of mine who's a very knowledgeable coach, but there was a there was like a two to three week gap where I was like, man, I'm just not making the progress I want. And he had to call me out. And he was like, well, let's take a look at your log. Like, let's take a look at everything. You tracked like four days out of the past three weeks during this. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like, you're completely correct. You know, he's like, you skipped two workouts. You like, said you've been sucking with like your sleep, but you're not doing anything about it. Like said, you're, you're drinking less water. I mean, but you're not trying to actively drink more water. And I'm like, 
that's what I needed. And now I'm back to being like a hundred percent. And like, I can have that self-awareness piece where I know that if I'm feeling this way, I can recheck myself. Right. And that's, and that's a great thing to learn. And I think even on the self-awareness piece, a lot of times, if you know, you have the tendency to shut down or to not reach out or you're a people pleaser, you don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. Like you have to have that self-awareness to then say, okay, this is my tendency communicate that with your coach and then come yeah. up with a game plan where it's like, all right, if that's the case, then what I want this you is to what do I is need, yeah. send me a, a text every Monday morning. Uh, we're going to have our call every Wednesday. That way we have our two touch points at minimum. And that way you're not going to go into hiding when things get uncomfortable or when you have a setback, like those are the times that you need coaching the most. So we're going to set up some kind of a framework where we're just accommodating for your natural tendencies and your strengths and weaknesses and just putting systems in place to overcome that. Um, it's the same thing on the business side. It's the same thing on the nutrition side. Um, you know, really once you understand yourself, I feel like the sky's the limit on what you can. That's the game right there. Yeah. (laughs) That's entirely Um, the game. (laughs) That was, that was kind of nice how we brought that full circle. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was like, that was a good, that was a good loop around. <laughs> I feel like we could uh, go on for like another couple hours, but I know uh, we both got some calls, some boardroom calls and, and uh, things like that. So if anybody is interested in following you or reaching out about if it's, you know, a new coach or an established coach and they want to grow their business, or they just want to follow you for more insight and wisdom, uh, where's the best place to do that? Yeah. Instagram is my main platform right now. It's where I like producing content currently and where I respond to a lot of messages um, so it's just my first name, Caleb, and then middle name, uh, middle initial D, last name Fong. So if you search that up, find me, shoot me a message. I will answer any question you have, help you in any way that I physically can. Uh, and, and just to recoup that again, one last time, like for what Mike was saying, you know, with uh, with everything, this is just my own personal drive on philosophy and a lot of stuff was like following what brings me genuine happiness and fulfillment in my life. And everything else becomes a, a a side project. Essentially, my main focus is: Does this make me happy? Does this make me fulfilled? And understanding, like you said, the self awareness of going: Is this what I want, or is this an imposed happiness and fulfillment? Um, just talking to another coach who was saying they need to make this amount per month, and I was like, Why? It's like, Well, this is what other coaches make. Like, is that what you need to be happy, or have you not figured that out yet? So, if you haven't figured that out yet, figured out what makes you happy and fulfilled in your life probably a great thing to understand because then you can hedge all your actions against that and things become a lot more clear. Oh yeah. Well said. We got to prioritize closer over more, closer to what you want instead of just more for the sake of more because that's a slippery slope. And I'm sure a lot of us can relate to that. I've been there myself and it doesn't end well. It usually (laughs) in a puddle of self-sabotage. So (laughs) closer, closer to what you want, which means you actually have to know what you want before you can chase closer to what you want. Um, Dude, this was awesome. A lot of insight. I appreciate you coming on. And uh, hopefully we'll do a round two soon. Either way, I will talk to you very soon. And uh, yeah, good stuff. Thanks, brother. Talk to you soon.